Hello, and welcome. This is the What If I Told You podcast, a show where we love to infuriatingly choose super old, unsolved mysteries so we can speculate wildly about them. I love speculating wildly. It's time for a mystery, folks, and, uh... What happened? Did you hear that? <gasps> mm. It was me. It oh, was me. Okay. For a second, we thought a straw <laughs> was cracked and things were going to go sideways. So, yeah, we've been hitting you with some pretty sad, fucked up episodes. And while this one is, I mean, it's a little sad, um, like R.I.P. It's not like an upper. No. Um, to us, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but this one's weird. You probably haven't heard of it. Yeah, I had not heard of it. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. So, as usual, please um, look at all of our social media stuff. Instagram, TikTok. We still have an email that is available and open 24-7 for you to send your suggestions and thoughts and best wishes to. <laughs> we could always use best wishes. Yeah, we need them all the time. Um, and if you're wondering what that is, it's what if I told you podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. We've not said it before on here, so I just thought that I would bring that up. Yeah. It's probably been several episodes since we actually said what our email was, honestly. Yeah, I never say it because it's a lost fucking cause. Yeah, who's sending emails anymore? Fucking A. You know. Anywho, um, it's nighttime on a Wednesday. We're expecting a snowstorm. And so, obviously, Maddie got us sushi. Duh. Um, <clears throat> if you are not from a part of the world where it snows regularly, um, there are a select few foods that you want the night before a major snow event. One of those is sushi. Obviously. Duh. If you didn't already assume that, what what are you doing? I think the second runner-up would probably be T-Bell. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. directly after sushi, though. At least a good 12 hours in between. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine what that would do to your, like, uh, nope. your your body would just start screaming. <laughs> you would just start hearing it scream. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me <laughs> want to throw up. I mean. Just I, think, like, tuna roll, chalupa. Oh, my God. Chalupa tuna roll. <laughs> You just get a chalupa and put your tuna roll in it. Salmon chalupa. That sounds horrifying, first of all. But <laughs> I just can't. And I love to go on, like, a full bender and get, like, a little bit of something from all the different places. Yeah. This is one of my things that I like to do when I'm going to be, like, when it's when it's, like, a... Maddie only night when Dakota's gone and I refuse to make plans or I've canceled said <laughs> plans. Oh, damn. Emily's been drinking heavily. Um, so that's like my thing that I, it's like a special thing. I'll plan it like the whole last 30 minutes of work in my head. I'm just thinking, okay, I'm going to stop at Seeky and get mushrooms. I'm going to stop at yeah, I don't know, Costa Vida and get a taco. I'm going to stop here and I'm going to stop at Hawaiian Bros and just get rice. <laughs> I'm going go to go to McKeever's and get three macarons. That's like one of my favorite things to do. But I just don't think I would get sushi and Taco Bell. I think that might be pushing it for me. Yeah, no, I mean, it's <laughs> making my stomach hurt as we talk about it. So I apologize for the salmon chalupa comment for anyone listening. That was not okay. It's highly disturbing. Yeah. Just really quick, we'll, we'll make this part of our business segment. Uh, that was food segment. Now we're going to go to business. This has nothing to do with our podcast, but this is a conversation we had yesterday about how scene kids are now a thing again. However, they're not calling them scene, scene kids. They're just calling them emo girls and emo boys. I reject this because, I, I mean... What music are they listening to? He, here, that is the true question. Because back in 
we're going to say 2000, between 2007 and 2012. Yeah. My prime, seventh grade through senior year. This would have been, let's see, 2007, I would have been a junior. Yeah, I was an infant. Maddie was an elder. Well, I was 17. That's Oh, well. Anyway. I was, how old? I don't know. What's you our age difference? Four years. Oof. So you were 14 when I was 17? I would not have hung out with you. That's fucked up. You're I the, was a cool 14-year-old. Although, well, my sister, sis is five years younger than me, and we hung out all the time. You were obligated, though. Yeah, well, to her detriment, honestly. Right. (laughs) We got her into a lot of trouble, because I was doing, like, 17, 18-year-old shit, and she's over here, like, 13, doing 17, 18-year-old shit. Probably not cool, but, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so in that time frame... The scene kids, of course, it's an aesthetic, right? It's the hair, it's the makeup, it's dirty, grungy, right? You know, we don't wash our hair. We're wearing, we color on our shoes, rip our jeans, put safety pins everywhere, right? In our clothes or through your ears. Some people would just fucking wear a safety pin through their ear piercing. Yeah, this is this is the the scene scene. Exactly. But they were also listening to a very specific genre of music. Yes. And like, nothing else. Nothing else. And they were very snobby about it. Mm-hmm. So. We, you keep saying they. I think what you're meaning to say is I we. What I mean to say is we. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, like, have full scene hair. I only did for a short amount of time. Like, I, I did have, like, really funky colored hair. And I had, like, super choppy layers, the bangs, but I didn't ever tease my hair. Maybe it's because I have so much hair that I don't need to. I did, but it never lasted all day because of my hair type. Yeah. So it was there in the morning for, like, first through fourth hour. Mm -hmm. But as the day dwindled, so did the hair. Yeah. I never, like, did extensions. I never did, like, the coontail dye or anything like that. I did do bows. I didn't do the bow situation. I think I may have worn a bow in my hair once, and I was like, this is fucking not me. Yeah, the bows for me were the middle school, the young young scene, Emily. Yeah, I think the the bow situation was when I let sis do my hair, which makes makes the most sense. Because, you know, I was 14. Yeah, and she was your age. So, but it was like very, like the skinny jeans... Which I st- still wear to this day. Skinny right. jeans, chucks. Studded belts. Studded belts. As many as you could pile on your body. Not in the belt loops. Of course not. On top of the shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's a whole thing. It's a it's an aesthetic. It's a music genre. It's a thing. And now I keep seeing these people on TikTok talking about emo girls. And I'm just like, hey. Are you really playing a Machine Gun Kelly song to that? That, ugh. That's almost just as bad as the Salmon Chalupa. <laughs> I don't know really anything about Machine Gun Kelly, except that he's, he played Tommy Lee in that Netflix Motley Crue movie. He's a bad rapper who is suddenly starting to pay, play the electric guitar. Yeah, see, when I see photos of him, he looks like ultra punk rock. Right. But then I always hear of him being called a rapper, and I'm just like, I don't, whatever. Yeah, it's not working for him. Yeah. I mean, none of it works for him, in my opinion. <laughs> but I don't have an opinion on Machine Gun Kelly, because I don't know any of his shit. You don't need one. <clears throat> Other than the, like, 30 seconds of the Emo Girl song that I keep hearing on TikTok. Oh, gross. And I'm just like, hey, do you... Do you know what you're saying? He does not. Do you know what an emo girl is? Because honestly, it's not a thing. Let's be honest. It's not gendered. It's scene kids. Right. This is what we were called, scene kids. If you're going to pick up the aesthetic. Get it right. Get it right. Fuck. 
Chip, chime in. Um, Chip was a scene kid. Yes, he was. And he was, we were, us uh, elders, we were the originators of the scene. Yeah. So, you're fucking welcome. Posers. Yeah, were you even going to Warp Tour? Because if you weren't going to Warp Tour, you were not a scene kid. There has to be some sort of break in this straw, I swear to God. Flip it upside down. Put the break in the liquid. See, I always prefer to keep the break out of the liquid. You're doing it all wrong. Because the break will also suck in liquid. And it'll be like it never even happened. See, I just prefer to, like... Struggle? Yeah. This makes me a stronger person. I'm overcoming obstacles. You're humble <laughs> as fuck. Yeah, I am. <laughs> um, so, this is what you've all been waiting for. That being a Chips Corner. Fucking finally. There's quite a few pieces that he contributed, but we're picking one of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, and if anyone was wondering, um, Chips' new name is Chipathy. <laughs> I forgot that we said that. Chipathy. So, in our episode on Chris Watts. Yes. <clears throat> fucking A. Dude, get it together. We talked a little bit about... Why did I just get a notification on my phone that my AirPods are at 9%? I don't mm -hmm. have any AirPods in. That only happens when they're connected. Well, your phone is synced to them, so right. that could be why. Anyways, um, we talked about, like, fucking, I don't know specifically what we said, but it was about, like, tracking and shit. It's because uh, Chris Watts' mistress, uh, Nicole Kessinger. That's right. Googled, can police find text messages after they've been deleted? That's right. And so, this is what Chip said. Unless the hard drive is physically destroyed, they can pretty much get anything. It's all stored on a cloud. You need a computer with no internet if you actually, if you're actually going to plan on having stuff to destroy and not be recovered. Don't get any ideas, anyone. Yeah. So, basically, he's saying unless the information is only on a physical hard drive and that hard drive is destroyed and whatever it is that you have searched, sent, downloaded, even after you delete it, it's still recoverable. Right. Thanks, <clears throat> Chip. <clears throat> yeah. I'm going to go ahead and clear my throat one more fucking time. <laughs> fucking A. So, thank you, Chipathy. It's Chipathy. Chipathy. I almost went with straight Chip, but that is incorrect. Chipson. Um, there was another name I was going to call him in that conversation, but Chipathy just rolled off the tongue for me. Yeah, that's, that's a, it's a good option. Um, I want to push pause right quick because I just saw this on Snapchat. What the fuck am I looking at? First of all, are we talking about how Sandler refused to be in a Tarantino movie or that I got pregnant at 80 years old? I mean, obviously the latter. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about Adam Sandler. Why is an 80-year-old woman pregnant? Well, I mean... You're about to clock out, yo. <laughs> I'm, I can't. I'm not clicking on that story. You probably shouldn't. I got it. You're going to be put on a list. Why is that on Snapchat stories? I don't know. Okay, whatever. Today... We are going to be talking about the Eastall woman. And you probably have no idea what the hell that is. No, but it's Norway's most famous mystery. And we're going to tell you all about it. Yeah. <clears throat> Everyone put a quarter in a jar every time Emily <laughs> clears her throat. It's the... <laughs> It's the salmon chalupa. I was going to say the spicy mayo. 
Ugh. Never eating that again now. <clears throat> spicy mayo. There's some spicy mayo in my throat. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> you can't. All right. Back to it. Get it together, Madeline. <laughs> I just don't know if I can. <laughs> oh, my God. This is what happens when we record at night. <laughs> the delirium sets in. Okay, so the Easdall woman. Who is she? Well, technically, we have no idea. So we're going to operate on that from the jump. We have no idea who this bitch is. Yeah. But in the section, we're going to tell you what we do know about her. Or what we think we know. This is None of this is concrete. So we're... <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to tell you anything that is for sure. Yep. So, the Easdall woman, the Norwegian word for this is Easdall Skvinen? Skvinen? Easdall Skvinen? You should move there. You know what? Maybe I will. I do believe I have a little bit of Northern European in my DNA. I have... Norway, Sweden, and my DNA. So, I mean, we're basically Vikings. That's true. Yeah. Damn. So, any, anywho. I should be bigger, though, if I had Viking in my blood, I assume. Shouldn't I? Shouldn't I be taller? I mean, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about my height later. Um, so, the Eastall woman is a placeholder name given to an unidentified woman who was found deceased at Eastallen, a.k.a. Ice Valley, in Bergen, Norway, on November 29th, 1970. So, it's been a while. Quite some time. Although police at the time ruled that it was likely a suicide, the nature of the case encouraged speculation. Duh. Almost every case encourages <laughs> speculation. Um, and ongoing investigation in the years since her body was discovered, even half a century later, it remains the most profound Cold War era mystery in Norwegian history. Shit, dude. So. So, now we're going to talk about the discovery of her body. That's right. Because that's where the story starts. Right. On the afternoon of November 29th, which is Cheyenne's birthday, by the way. You know what? It's really close to Coco's birthday, too. Fucking A. Her birthday is the 28th. November. Oof. I know. Um, so it's November 29th, 1970. It's the afternoon. Um, a dude was out hiking with his daughters. Um, these people are unnamed, by the way. Yeah. In the foothills of the north face of Ulriken. And this area is known as East Stalin or Ice Valley, like Maddie said earlier. And some even refer to it as Death Valley. Yeah. So... We're wondering why a man takes his two children to hike around in Ice Death Valley. Yeah. It, it, I never saw that it said, like, how old the daughters were. Doesn't maybe, matter. Maybe they're adult daughters and they've been hiking for many, many years. So this is, like, no BD to them. Yeah. But without the context of how old these people were, I'm just imagining. Like a two and a four-year-old. I was actually going to say, like, six and eight. Oh, okay. But still, out here in the in Ice Valley, Death Valley. Yeah. It's really just, not a good place to be. Just hiking around. Yeah. Whatevs. They do call it Death Valley because there were a number of suicides that happened there in the Middle Ages, as well as an increasing number of hiking accidents. See? This is what I'm saying. Right. Anyway... While the three of them are traipsing around in Ice Death Valley, they noticed a burning smell. Yeah. Not long after noticing the smell, one of the daughters discovered the charred body of a woman among some scree? 
which is a collection of broken rock fragments at the base of a cliff or a steep rocky mass. (laughs) (laughs) That definition is straight from Google. Um, An article by Rupert Taylor for the online journal Soapboxy calls the area a crevice between boulders. And, of course, upon making this this discovery, the family returned to the nearby town to notify the police. Yep. So not only did this man take his two daughters hiking in a very dangerous area in Norway, but they also found a dead body. Fucking A. The trauma. Hopefully these girls, hopefully his two daughters were at least, like, 15 or 16. Yeah. I feel like at that time, it's still going to be traumatic to stumble upon a dead body, but you at least kind you understand more what is going on. But if you're, like, eight years old, no nightmares forever. You're going to have night terrors for the rest of your life. Yeah. Anyway, so on to the investigation. This is where things get dicey. So... I don't know if this is Bergen or Bergen, so... I think it's Bergen. I've heard it pronounced as Bergen. My in, my reaction was Bergen. Yeah. So, we're going to go with Bergen. If anyone from Norway is listening and that's incorrect, please let us know. Send us a voice memo of what the real pronunciation is. Yeah. Uh, Bergen police responded quickly, and a full-scale investigation was launched. The case name was, or is, I guess... 134-70. Cool. If you <laughs> want to look it up, if you can, I don't know. Um, they began with the site of the discovery, clearly. The police noted the following particulars about the nature of the scene. The woman was in the supine position, meaning she was face up, as opposed to the prone position, which is face down. I just thought that was uh, interesting because you often hear prone or supine, like when people are talking autopsy. Mm-hmm. So I've never felt the need to look it up because contextually you can almost just define those words. Yeah. But I thought I'd include it just because. Yeah. The more you know. The more you know. So she was discovered face up. Her hands were clenched at her sides and the front of her body and her clothing were severely burned beyond recognition. According to the Rupert Taylor article, her back was completely untouched by the flames. There was also no sign of a campfire in the vicinity of the scene. I'm guessing that this negated the possibility that she was accidentally burned while setting up camp. But it, and it also negated the possibility that she had been camping there at all. Because I'm guessing it's very cold there. Right. And if you're going to camp, you need a fire. Yeah. So... <clears throat> from the evidence, it doesn't look like she was there to camp. Also located near the body, and also some burned by the fire, were the following items. Some of these are weird. An empty bottle of St. Halvard liquor. Potentially this is the accelerant, maybe? Um, two plastic water bottles. A plastic passport container but no passport in the container, rubber boots, a wool jumper, a.k.a. sweatshirt, for all you Americans out there, (laughs) a scarf, nylon stockings, an umbrella, a purse, a matchbox, a watch, two earrings, and a ring. So, like, your basic kind of personal items. Yeah. Um, the nylon stockings strike me as weird because if they were laying around her, she wasn't wearing them. Right. So that's odd. She also clearly wasn't wearing the rubber boots because there is a picture in one of our sources of the rubber boots. They're blue with like a white sole. Um, what's okay? There we are. Around the body were traces of burned paper, and beneath the body was a fur hat. That was later found to have traces of petrol on it. So, I'm guessing the accelerant was gas and not the liquor. 
All identifying marks or labels on the items had been removed or rubbed off. Super weird. Super weird to take the time to rub off labels. Yeah. In personal items. Uh, In the Taylor article, uh, Rupert suggests that the placement of the items around the body could appear to be placed in a ritualistic manner. I don't know. This seems like not super likely to me, to be honest. No, I don't feel that way. It. There are obviously pictures in all of our, in our sources that you can go look at the scene. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like a place where one would choose to put this scene if it was supposed to be ritualistic. Right. And, I mean, random personal items around it. Just, it seems like, to me, the per- what, whatever the situation is, these items are scattered because they were dumped out of something. Yeah. That's what I'm getting from it. Yeah. So, that's the scene. Three days after the discovery of the body, investigators found two suitcases belonging to the unknown woman at Bergen Railway Station. And in the lining of one of the suitcases, police found 500, not, okay, five 100 Deutschmark notes. I was about to say 500. (laughs) Five 100 Deutschmarks, which equals out to be about 137 U.S. dollars. They also found items that are typical of a suitcase, like clothing, shoes, makeup, cosmetics, sunglasses, and eczema cream. However, there were some... I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) There were some items that seemed out of the ordinary, such as wigs, 135 Norwegian kroner, the currency of Norway, Belgian, British, and Swiss coins, maps, not necessarily suspicious in 1970, but if you have, like, a shit ton of maps instead of a map. Yeah, that's that's, a little weird. That's weird. Uh, Timetables, not really sure exactly what they mean by timetables, but maybe, like, a spreadsheet. Yeah. Um, uh, Maybe, like, logs of different times and dates maybe that could be like i don't know i have a thought that needs to go in a a later section on the timetables uh timetables and a pair of non-prescription glasses um this one i thought was pretty odd and why i put it here in the odd section and not typical suitcase stuff because Mm -hmm. If this was 2022, it wouldn't be weird because a lot of people wear glasses for aesthetic. Yeah. And so their lenses don't have prescription. But this is 1970. I don't think a lot of people were wearing non-prescription glasses. No. I mean, their glasses back in the 70s were hella cool. And I would straight up wear some of those shits. But yeah, I don't think they were doing it to be on vogue. No, absolutely not. So, I found that pretty weird. Uh, And finally, they found a notepad with no description of what was in it. Hmm. So, I don't know what they're not saying about it, but I feel like there's got to be something in the notepad that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, it could be just a blank notepad. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, The items were confirmed to belong to the woman through partial fingerprints on the items that were matched to the body. And as with the items found at the scene, the items in the suitcases were also, they were also stripped of all labels and identifying marks. That's so weird. So weird. When you think about all the things at the scene not having labels it's it's a weird thing to note but that seems like if it's if we're thinking foul play then it would make sense for the perpetrator 
to remove those. Yeah. But then you get to, like, her personal belongings where she she certainly put these suitcases at the railway station. Yeah. And also none of those have labels. Yeah, and I mean, and if a if someone killed her and burned her, like, why not just take all the belongings elsewhere? Right. right. So. And also, if someone killed her and burned her... And they were the ones to remove the labels. Why would they? There's no way they're going back to the rail station to remove the labels of all of her other shit. No. So I think this is kind of like an indication that she is the one who removed the labels off of everything. Which is very odd. Which is super odd. Yeah. So the autopsy was done at Gades and... (laughs) Gades... I'm having a stroke. (laughs) (laughs) Gates Institute, and the examination concluded that the woman died from a combination of incapacitation by phenobarbital, which is a bar, a bar, oh my god, a barbiturate, bar barbiturate, isn't that what it is? I think you can. I think it's a barbiturate. So it's a medication. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a medication usually used to treat epilepsy um, and also poisoning by carbon monoxide. So this mm. is very weird. Yeah. Um, soot was found in her lungs indicating that she was likely alive as she was burned. Oh, no. <laughs> what does that say? <laughs> Mixed vegetable cocks? <laughs> it's from Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> Randy from Trailer Park Boys like falls over a bike and he goes, Mixed vegetable cocks. Oh it's so God. funny. That really caught me off guard. <laughs> um anytime there's like a line like that, it's nine times out of ten from Trailer Park Boys. Her neck had also um been bruised, indicating that she maybe could have fallen or someone struck her. Maybe? Yeah. I mean, you have to fall very precisely to get a bruise on your neck from falling, I think. Yeah. Like on a, like on a rock. Yeah. I guess if you're found in a, in a crevice between boulders. (laughs) Your neck might be bruised. (laughs) Your neck might be bruised. Oh, goodness. Um, so analysis of her blood and stomach showed that she had consumed between 50 and 70 sleeping pills from the brand Phenomol. That is a fuck ton. Yeah. And these are considered a phenobarbital, which as we stated earlier, is a likely contributor to her death. Of course it is. Clearly. Between, first of all, between 50 and 70, that's not... 50 and 70 of anything is going to make you die. And those numbers are very different. Yeah. <laughs> just And also, just say 60. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, um, also, 12 more sleeping pills were found next to her body. So, I guess it could have been 82. <laughs> her teeth and jaw were removed during the autopsy. And she had a unique gold filling that they hoped would aid in identifying her. And it's a good thing they did that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tissue samples of her organs were also taken. So then police launch an appeal for information in the Norwegian media regarding the case. So the last time that she was seen alive was on November 23rd when she checked out of room 407 of the Hotel Horda Hyman. Yeah, that's that's right. <clears throat> Hotel staff told police that she was a good-looking woman. Um, she was roughly 5 foot 4 with dark brown hair and small brown eyes. 
This is very, this is a very strange description. I, that makes me uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable as well, because when you describe someone as having small eyes, I feel like those shits are like pinpricks in your face and you just look like an alien. I, I just didn't, I left it in because that's what it said. Right. But I didn't like it. Um, staff noted that the woman kept mainly to her room and seemed to be on guard. When she checked out, she paid her bill in cash and then requested a taxi. Her movements between then and the discovery of her body remain unknown. Oof. So, police were able to decode some notepad entries that they found in her hotel room. This is these are the ones found in her hotel room, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in her luggage, I believe. That's what these are. Okay. And they determined that they indicated dates and places that this woman had visited. And as a result, based on handwritten check-in forms. <clears throat> oh my god. Yo. <clears throat> Can we get a medic? <laughs> Um, police determined that the Esau woman had traveled around Norway, like Oslo, Trondheim, Stavanger, and Europe, Paris, with at least eight fake passports and aliases. So highly sus. Yeah. And while details such as birthdays and occupations changed from one form to another, she consistently gave her nationality as Belgian, and the forms were filled out in either German or French. So having the notepad gave police samples of her handwriting, and this was used to compare um, handwritten check-in forms and confirm places she had stayed. And as stated earlier she had used she had used numerous numerous aliases such as claudia tilt sure elizabeth lean halfer lean halfer and fenella lork fenella is a sick name i really like that while um all all of these names she always said that she was from belgium but none of the names or passports turned out to belong to real people, and that's where the investigation stalled. Yeah. So she was just, like, making these names up, like, off the top of her head. Yeah. It was also learned that the woman had previously stayed at several hotels in Bergen and was known to change rooms after checking in. That's such a weird move, by the way. Uh, yeah. And she also, like, moved furniture out of her hotel rooms. Oh, really? Yeah, like, while she was there, she moved furniture out into the hall, but then when she would leave, she would put it back in her room. Hmm. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, she often to told hotel staff that she was a traveling saleswoman and an antiquities dealer, and one witness said that she overheard the woman talking to a man in German in a Bergen hotel. Others who met her mentioned she also spoke Flemish and broken English and <laughs> smelled of garlic. Um, okay. I mean, sure. Which, by the way, in 1970, wasn't a super popular spice in that area. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she could have been warding off vampires. Yeah. Who knows? But people who saw or met her also commented that she wore wigs. Some composite sketches based on witness descriptions and analysis of her were then circulated in many countries via Inter... Is it Interpol? I think it's Interpol. Interpol. One of the witnesses able to give details about her appearance was a salesperson at a shoe store. They went to the store because she left a shoe store bag in her luggage and the shop was in Stavanger, Norway and a clerk there remembered selling a woman a pair of blue rubber boots of the same brand that were found near the body and remarkably the salesperson was able to give like a really detailed description of her um 
They said that she was elegant, attractive, between 30 and 40. She had dark brown eyes and long dark hair. And the clerk said that she spoke broken English with an accent. And later it was determined that she also spoke Fri- that she also spoke German and Flemish. With this information, police were able to determine she had stayed at a hotel near where she had bought the boots. But despite the significant police resources deployed, the unknown woman was never identified and the case was quickly closed. And while authorities concluded that she had committed suicide by ingestion of sleeping pills, others believe that there's evidence that she was murdered. Yeah. This is, yeah. a, this is tough to say. Um, but there was a burial after the investigation concluded and they had all the evidence they could glean from her remains. They gave her a burial on February 5th, 1971. She was given a Catholic burial. Um, they landed on a Catholic burial based on her use of saints' names on her hotel check-in forms. Uh, So she was laid to rest in an unmarked grave within the Mollendahl graveyard in Bergen. Sixteen members of the Bergen police force attended. The ceremony was also photographed in case she was ever identified and relatives came forward. She was buried in a zinc coffin to preserve her remains. So, Good thinking. Yeah, they they were doing what they could do to make sure that there would still be, they could still glean some shit if it was ever, like, potentially identified. Right. So. Obviously, there's tons of questions that are still unanswered 52 years later. Mm-hmm. And so the first question would be, who is this woman? Right. That's the number one question. Why did she have so many different identities? Mm-hmm. Why did she travel so randomly and unexplainably? Right. Some think that the particulars point to the possibility that she was a spy. This is an interesting take on it. Yeah. So, the disguises, obviously the foreign currencies mm-hmm. and the multiple identities kind of point to spy. Yeah. And especially since this was during the cold war. Exactly. Very weird time. Very weird time. Um, Norway had also experienced other strange disappearances in the 1960s, close to military installations, which also traced back to international espionage intrigue the declassified records of the norwegian armed forces also reveal that many of the women's movements seem to correspond to top secret twat <laughs> twats okay <laughs> trials of the penguin <laughs> missile I don't all right know, i don't know what the penguin missile is but it's, it sounds kind of like a toy yeah <laughs> pick a better name for your missiles is this to make it seem unassuming could be (laughs) a fisherman is also reported to have recognized this woman while observing military movements in stavanger and the nine identities that she used in hotels which no passports were found could imply the involvement of a very professional organization or alternatively involvement in a crime gang right um I don't know. Now, the spy theory, I feel like, fits the best. Because the spy theory could also fall, like, work with the idea of a suicide. Right. Was she a spy? Was she potent? Was her, uh identity compromised and so she had to go out here to ice valley and take all these sleeping pills so she didn't give up military secrets maybe maybe 
this whole, <laughs> the whole like, scenario of her having disguises and taking the labels out of all of her shit and all the passports, the foreign currency, it makes me think of a Jason Bourne film. A little bit. So, that, and Jason Bourne was a spy. Yeah. So, <clears throat> case cracked. There have been developments in the case since. It's not just been sitting here since 1970, like, waiting for some shit. The taxi driver who actually took her from the hotel to the Bergen Railway Station was actually never found at that point. But in 1991, there was a taxi driver who wished to remain anonymous who came forward and said that after picking up the unknown woman at the hotel... I keep playing with the... I just popped off some nails and I just, like, keep, like, dropping them. Okay. I... Do I have ADD? I keep, like, fidgeting with some shit. Maybe a little bit. You know, it's probably true. Anyway. So, this taxi driver said that after picking up the unknown woman at the hotel, they were joined by another man for the ride to the train station. Hmm. So, who is this man? And what is his involvement in her death? These are questions. In 2005, a Bergen resident who was 26 in 1970, I feel like that is a, a perfect time to be alive. Absolutely. If you were 26 in 1970, that means that you were like a teen and young adult through the entire lifetime of the Beatles. My mom was... 25 in 1970. She saw the Beatles when they came to America when she was eight years old. At Shea Stadium? I think so. In Kansas City. Oh, well, that's not... No. Shea Stadium. Oh. Oh, no. No. Like, the the big, like, concert that people always talk about for the Beatles was when they played at Shea Stadium. Like, people were trampled to death. No. (laughs) So, I was like, dang, she was there? That's crazy. That's like a historic (laughs) moment. Um, Anyway. So, this Bergen resident told a local newspaper in 2005 that after seeing a sketch circulated, he had suspected that the dead woman was a woman that he had seen five days before the body had been discovered. He was hiking along the hillside at Floyan. I think that's right. I don't know what that letter is, though. Mm -hmm. It looks like an O with a line through it, so if you are a language scholar... Can you tell us what that letter is? I'm not up on Slavic languages, so. That's unfortunate. I know. I should really become a Slavic language scholar. So then I would be much more versed in languages like German. Anyway, so he was hiking at Floyan. Surprisingly, he said she was dressed rather lightly for the city than she would have been for a hike. So she didn't have on the clothes you would expect to see a hiker wearing and was walking ahead of two men who were wearing coats and looked Southern. Hmm. She appeared resigned and seemed about to say something to him, but didn't. And he went to someone he knew at the police department to report this, but was told to forget about it. Therefore, neither his name nor his alleged sighting was recorded at the time. That is very suspect. Very. This, this little blurb is giving me very cover-up vibes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. When you go to the police to report something and they tell you to forget about it, red flags. (laughs) Everywhere. 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 In 2016, the case was reopened and NRK commissioned... The American artist Stephen Missile. I think it might be Mysel. Mysel. To create six alternative sketches of the Eastall woman, which were shown to people who had seen her. That's fucking breaking. Breaking news. <laughs> and how do you know who has seen her? I guess like hotel staff. I mean, they're probably much older now. Yeah. I mean, well, they are much older now. <laughs> Granted, they're still alive. That's what I meant. 
Yeah. In 2017, stable isotope analysis of the woman's teeth, which were taken from her unburied jawbone, indicated that the woman had been born in about 1930, plus or minus four years. I don't know why it's plus or minus four years. This is standard (laughs) deviation or something? In or near Nuremberg, Germany, but had moved to France or the France-Germany border as a child. So she's not Belgian. No. So she had been, like, writing on all of her hotel documents that she was Belgian. But she's not Belgian. She's German. Right. Cool. So this reinforced earlier analysis of her handwriting, which suggested that she had been educated in France or a neighboring country. An analysis also indicated that she had been to a dentist in either East Asia, Central Europe, Southern Europe, or South America. Okay, well, that narrows it the fuck down. Yeah. That's, uh... <clears throat> that's three different continents. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> that's... I always find it so crazy whenever there's some data written and it's supposed to be, like, narrowing down some shit. Yeah. And then you realize it spans half of the world. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> In 2018, NRK and the BBC published a podcast series titled Death in Ice Valley, which included interviews with eyewitnesses and forensic scientists also suggesting that the Eastall woman's birthplace may have been southern Germany or the French-German border region, and that she was likely born in 1930 for a standard deviation of four years, whatever. She was also likely raised in French-speaking Belgium. So now we're back to Belgium? Yeah. Guys. So she's French, German, Belgium. (laughs) Cool. In June 2019, the BBC revealed that listeners of the podcast had given more clues. Further, Colleen Fitzpatrick, a geneticist with the DNA Doe Project contacted Death in Ice Valley to offer her help in identifying the woman through genetic genealogical isotope testing of autopsy tissues, a.k.a. what they used to identify GSK. Mm-hmm. We're all, if you're a true crime listener, even casually, you have heard about genealogy at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been revealed that she is of MT DNA, how haplogroup, I don't know what that means, H24, cool, indicating a matrilineal line of descent originated in Southeast Europe or Southwest Asia. Okay. Hmm. So I'm seeing this. This makes sense. Yeah. In 2019, after a publication of the case in La Republican Lorraine, an inhabitant of Furbach, France, claims to have had a relationship with the woman in the summer of 1970. Ooh. The woman, a polyglot, supposedly had a Balkan accent. She pretended to be about 26 years old, but often dressed herself to look a lot younger, and she refused to share to share any personal details. She is said to have often received scheduled phone calls from abroad, and the resident managed to rifle through her belongings and found various wigs and colorful clothes. Um, She had also pilfered a photograph of the woman riding a horse. Suspecting she was a spy, he considered contacting the authorities, but was too afraid to do that. His story and the photograph were published in a subsequent issue of the newspaper. That's interesting. And seems a little late to be coming forward with this information. A little bit. I feel like this is probably a story that Europeans generally know about. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of picture that whenever, like, things happening in Europe is kind of like things happening here. We hear about things happening in other states, but we're removed from it, but we're not removed from it. I for some reason, have this idea that that's how Europe is, because they're connected, like, we're connected. Right. I don't know. 
know. Maybe not, though. Maybe he had never heard of the story until fucking 2019 and was like, bro. That could be it. I had a fling in, two th- in 1970 with a bitch who I thought was a spy. Yeah. It has to be her. <laughs> it has to be her. She has to be the only one. Um, also in 2019, an, a man came forward with an intriguing story of an encounter in the East Isle Valley a few days before the mysterious woman's body was found. Katil Kurvskoy, I think. That works. Sure. Had been hiking in the area when he saw a woman a woman coming towards him with two men behind her. Again, we have Yep. This now we're now we're getting a little credibility with this with the hiking. Uh, he said they were not dressed for hiking outdoors in November. Again. He is quoted by the BBC as saying the woman looks scared. And when she looked at me, I felt like she started to say something, but didn't. And then looked behind her and saw these men. I'm sure she knew they were going after her. There are some some timing inconsistencies with the story, but it still seems plausible. I mean... So it sounds like this area was frequently hiked. Yeah. Despite Death Valley being its name. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you hike anywhere, you're taking a risk. Might as well hike in Death Valley. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Why not? It's fine. Um, so, those are all of the uh, potential links to the East All Woman. I think she was a spy. I agree. I think she was a spy. And... I mean, so, something went awry. Something went awry. Uh, with the spy. Okay. <laughs> You're a poet now. Um, one element of the scene that I cannot reconcile is the fact that she was burned. But what if they were trying to burn her so she could never be identified? Yes, this is, yes, it, I'm not, like, saying it's inconsistent with somewhat, like, two men killing her Mm -hmm. as a spy, but I don't understand how the investigators landed on suicide, because I feel like they knew their real reason. Yeah. This goes all the way to the top, people. It really does. With the story of the one guy trying to go in and report seeing her and being told to forget about it, mm-hmm. and then them ruling it a suicide, even though she was burned and there was soot in her lungs, so she was clearly burned alive, and yet there is no evidence that she was attempting to create a campfire. Right. No, people do not burn themselves alive <laughs> okay they they just don't do that they don't the sleep if she had just ingested 50 to 70 sleeping pills and there was no burning then suicide i think would be the obvious right it would make a lot more sense it would make a lot more sense y- you don't ingest 50 sleeping pills and then lay down on your back and set yourself on fire no, you you simply do not do that. No. No, because you know that the pills are probably going to do the job. That's right. And they're being, they found traces of gas mm-hmm. on the fur hat that was underneath her. So, you think she's going to douse herself in gas and light herself on fire? While there's 50 sleeping pills in her system? Yeah. And, and she's... In the mountains in November in Norway. Right. If the pills weren't going to do it, the cold is. Absolutely. <laughs> so she did not, she would not have set herself on fire. No. So I think that single piece of evidence proves that this is clearly not a suicide. Absolutely. We would really like to know what y'all think, though. Yes. Do you guys have theories? 
you're in luck because you can email them to what if I told you podcasts at gmail.com or send us a DM on like Instagram or something, which is at what if I told you pod. Yeah. Um, we've actually had people DM us mm-hmm. on Instagram. Seems like people are probably going to DM us more than email. I would like for you guys to, to draft an email personally. Same. Yeah. Same. I want a greeting. Mm-hmm. A full body of text. Yep. And a sign-off. And a farewell. Yep. Be clever about it. We're going to need that from you. Check your grammar. (laughs) Don't worry about your grammar. I will check your grammar. Oh, God. (laughs) And then I will email you back with the edits. (laughs) How fucked up would that be? Uh, That would be... If it happened to me, if I sent some someone an email and they edited it like in red and send it back to me i would laugh but (laughs) i'm also a weird like that and i don't think most people would find it as funny as me no absolutely not (laughs) they're like this bitch why is she proofreading my shit i just want to tell them a theory (laughs) so go ahead and do that yes please i'll make sure maddie doesn't proofread your shit (laughs) Preach. But, um, <sighs> Haley and Ariel, if, if you were unsure, we do love you very much. Yeah. Um, we might not be the most affectionate people, but, you know, the love is there. Yeah. We think about you all the time. Yeah. I actually just saw Ariel, like, last weekend. Yeah. Actually, I told you I was going over there. Yeah. And my intention was... I'm going to pop over, say what's up, and then I'm going to bounce and be home by, like, 10. Yeah. I got home at 2 a.m. That's not okay. And I felt, the next day, when I woke up, I felt like I got hit by a fucking bus. Ugh. That's when I I came to your house of donuts. That's the next day. Yeah. Uh, I needed, that's why I got two coffees. I bet you needed that. And then I went home and... I came home after that and did nothing. Yeah. That was needed. I never stay up that late, ever. And it and that's why. It affects me super hard. You wake up feeling like TV static. That's right. Yeah. That's a horrible feeling. It was terrible. I'm going to try to go to bed at a decent time tonight because I'm going in at 7 tomorrow. Aha. Yeah. I so, used to always go in at 7. Well, I... We're usually up to like 11, mm-hmm. and I really don't want to wake up at like 5.30 if I've gone to bed at 11. So I'm going to try yeah. to get be like comfy by 9, you know. I'm l- legit in my bed at 9. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's definitely because I used to go into work at 7. Yeah. Because I wanted to fucking leave at 3.30. Yeah. It was... Especially because I always ate lunch at noon. So it was like once I was done with lunch, it's basically the end of the day. Yeah. That was, it was the, the best. And now I work 8 to like 4.30 or 5. Mm-hmm. I usually leave around, well, it depends. Like today I left at like 4.45. So basically the same schedule that you work essentially. Yeah. And... It sucks. I could go in earlier and leave earlier if I wanted, but... But tomorrow you're going to be home. Yeah, we're getting a snowstorm, so I'm working from home. My company's pretty chill about it. I, like, have my laptop and everything, so... Yeah. But I, I bring my laptop home every single night just in case, like, if I had a family emergency or something, I would be able to work... From wherever. Yeah. Like, you know, Kendra got into a car accident Saturday. If she would have been actually, like, severely injured, she's unharmed. Thank God. But if she had been severely injured and I needed to go see her, mm-hmm. the hospital. I'm about to pee in my pants. Let's see how long we can draw this ex- <laughs> the, this outro out. Absolutely not. And see what happens. <laughs> yeah, this is my house, so please don't pee in it. <laughs> Okay, on that note...
Please don't make me laugh. Oh, no. Now the pressure is on. Literally. Okay. Um, well, it's been real. It's It's been cool. So, you know the drill. You guys be out here in these streets. So, please be kind. And stay weird. Okay, bye. Bye. Oh, my God. Where's the stop? <laughs>